Hey, what's up? It's The Drive with Sam Piper. Happy Friday. Derek Piper, Kyle Toss, Lante is off today. ESPN Radio 93.5. The day before, Illinois and Iowa. We'll talk a lot of that one. Could be, should be a high-scoring affair here in Champaign. First to 100 wins. I would say 110 to be safe. Yeah, let's let's set the bar at 110. Uh, Brad Underwood, we just, I just got back <clears throat> Excuse me, from State Farm Center. His pregame press conference had some interesting things to say as far as what practice was like yesterday, what he thinks about this team's current state of defense, toughness, urgency. Heard the treadmill is back and functional at practice. That is uh, what Luke Goody said. Luke Goody, of course, joined us yesterday, but it was described as a quote-unquote Brad Underwood practice. Luke Goody said, wouldn't be my favorite day it if I had to no, go to a bad Underwood I practice. I wouldn't, wouldn't be having the best day if I had to undergo one of those. No, and I, I credit Joey Wagner, Alana Inquirer, for asking him, that being Luke, exactly what is set the scene for a Brad Underwood practice. And Luke goes, okay, so usually we get the practice plan and we hear from Brad or we see him before practice on a quote-unquote Brad Underwood practice the practice plan is blank. There is no practice plan. And you don't see Brad until it's time to get on the court. So he said yesterday they lifted for 10 minutes with Fletch. And Fletch pretty much says, do whatever you need to do to get ready. Um, and then you go out on the court and it's um, a lot of physicality and Brad getting on you and, and all that kind of stuff. So I would imagine he said, you, you kind of know. Now, there are some newcomers on this team. And I asked him. Has there been a quote-unquote Brad Underwood practice this season? He says it's been a while. We might have had one after one of our less than inspiring non-conference performances, but definitely since the new year, he says it's the first one that they've had. So we'll see how they respond to it. It does feel like, based on what they say, now talk is cheap until you get out there against the Iowa team that's top 15 in the country in offensive efficiency, and this is a defense for Illinois that's just been hemorrhaging points and easy baskets and We'll see how well they can stop Tony Perkins from getting to the paint, how well they can cut off openings for Peyton Sanford to get off his shot. But I would imagine Illinois punches back tomorrow and has some more bite to him, has some more urgency, and they need it because this is a stretch run of the regular season, five regular season games to go, and you don't want to take a loss on your home court. Forget the Big Ten title at this point. Is it completely out of the question? Not technically, not mathematically, but – it's more about Illinois with their seeding, but also I think even beyond where they get seeded, it's can this team play their best basketball at the right time? Can they gain momentum? Because they clean up some of these things that they are struggling with right now. And if they don't get tougher, if they don't defend better, the odds of them going on a run in March are much more diminished. So, Kyle, what do you think? What do you think the – we'll hear from Brad as we go along. We'll play that. Um, but what do you think of – the quote-unquote Brad Underwood practice that they had yesterday and the team's likelihood to respond? I mean, I like it personally, and I'm obviously you have to see it on the court, but there needs to just, to me, there's flaws on defense for this team that aren't going to change. There's roster flaws. There's certain guys that are going to get exploited. Coleman Hawkins in, in drop coverage, probably not where you want him and if that's something that Brad Underwood is is going to stick to then you know you're going to probably give up some points and give up some 
shots in that mid-range area. That's that's not going to change. What I think can change is effort and toughness on the defensive end and physicality and just buying in on that end of the floor. I thought I just feel like the team hasn't done that here recently. And for as much length as they have and as much size as they have, just not playing very physical. They're playing pretty soft on the defensive end of me mm-hmm. recently. And so in that sense, yeah, it, it needs to be a wake-up call. And if Brad Underwood is going to run a Brad Underwood practice to try and get that going, then maybe that'll work, maybe it won't. But you know that Brad is going to be on him, and you know his personality. He's not going to take this type of effort anymore on the defensive end. I know he mentioned as well in the comments that – Playing time is going to be diminished unless something changes with a couple of guys, I believe is what he said. You can correct me if I'm wrong on yeah, that. Yeah, he did. And, yes, it, it, that has to be the case. And and maybe that means going deeper into the bench. I thought Imani Hansberry actually played pretty physical and tough on the defensive end in his minutes. Maybe Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn can give you that. Like, somebody's got to get out there and defend and, and play with toughness and effort on that end of the floor. And that's something that you can control. Some of the other flaws, the, some of the scheme – things maybe those things aren't going to fix themselves but effort and buy-in and toughness and playing more physical and just wanting to defend and taking pride on that side of the ball that's stuff that can be controlled by each individual guy and I don't feel like I've seen that from most guys and so I think Brad Underwood is going to try to get on him for that and we'll see how they respond because you got a heck of a challenge now against Mm. a, a really offensively capable Iowa team as they always are yep and it's going to be very interesting to see coming off this recent stretch. All of a sudden, if you hold this Iowa team down on Saturday, maybe that is a sign that things could turn around, but it's going to be really hard. You're going to have to be really tough and, and play really well on defense to even hold Iowa down in the 70s. So it'll be interesting to see how they do respond. There's no doubt about it, and I fully agree with you that for the most part, is, is Terrence Shannon the only guy that we are – fully comfortable with and confident in how he's been playing defensively recently. Is there, is there another guy? I like the fight that Amani brought. I've mentioned that the intensity that Dre has, has come in with, he's fouled a little bit too much on the whole, but I think Ty has some, some bite to him still, but I think that he seems to be getting caught up in screens a decent amount. And also he's involved in whether it's his fault or somebody else's some communication breakdowns. But beyond Terrence, is there anybody else that you like love what they're doing defensively right now? Probably not. I don't think so. Yeah. So nobody that, in the immediate rotation. Right. And that's concerning. And that's for a team that is an, a group of older guys that is seeing the the calendar almost almost turn to March. It's now or never. It's now or never for this team, for the the guys that are in their last dance, so to speak. That. If that grits and, and energy and, and focus on defense isn't going to come out now, when is it? When is it going to come out? So, uh, it's kind of surprising to me, based on who I thought this team was earlier in the season, as far as their connectivity. And I'm not saying that they're disjointed and they're fractured in the locker room or anything, but I do think that there have some, been some instances of them just having breakdowns that you wouldn't expect an older team to have, and. Then also, I thought that they were a pretty tough team earlier in the year, and that's been definitely brought into question of late. So we'll see what their character is in this game. We'll see how well Brad got their attention. And I'm not blaming it all on Brad. I do think it's it's split in terms of accountability. Of course, everyone's involved in this when you're not playing up to your capabilities. 
Can Brad do some things schematically to, to change some stuff? Yes. But I would also argue, I know, I think you made a good point as far as there are going to be some flaws that I don't think go away. Coleman is not going to be a shot blocker, a perfect five-man defender, I think. Now he's going to have assets that he can do in terms of you playing to his strengths. But Luke Goody's not going to defend in space against quicker guys all that well. Marcus, same thing. But it doesn't matter what you do schematically if you don't have effort and toughness and buy-in and yep. all those type of things. They could change everything. They could change their whole principles. They could press 100% of the time. And if they don't have a mentality that they're really going to lock in and try to stop everybody from getting to the paint and prevent this layup line that Penn State had, it doesn't matter what you do. So there has to be that type of response to fit whatever they're trying to do in terms of a scheme standpoint. What would be the ideal scheme fit defensively for Coleman Hawkins at the five? Because I don't think he's been very good on the defensive end. I also think that he, as you've mentioned many times, the way Illinois has played a lot of the time just doesn't really fit his strong suits on the defensive end. He is such a good defensive player when he is able to switch and he is able to get his hands in passing lanes. He strips guys so much. He's got great instincts. I think he's, he communicates well on that end. But, yeah, if you're going to stick him in deep drop coverage, and that's not really going to make him very effective. If you're going to give him no help, leave him on an island against a high-level post player, yeah, he's going to get scored on a lot. But what would what do you think, like, what change would you like to see with Coleman specifically in terms of how they're using him on defense? Because I just think he needs to be more involved in what they do. He's probably their best overall defender, in my opinion, still. Mm -hmm. I know maybe some people have soured on that recently. I still believe in him, but it, it, what would that look like in your eyes? Yeah, because the spot of him defending at the rim is his weakest point yes. defensively. He has to be out in – in switches, on the ball, in space, using his length as anticipation. So I agree, the drop coverage really for Coleman is not fitting his strength at all. And, and particularly, we've talked about it seemingly like a broken record, how deep he's been in drop. I don't, I don't personally like. Now, I understand that drop coverage from an analytical standpoint is trying to force guys into inside the arc where you then have somebody waiting in the lane and ideally, you have guards that can get through screens. And even if they're trailing, you can get people, bait people into taking mid-range shots, which the numbers say, the, the, the nerd stats say that that's the worst shot in basketball is the mid-range pull-up or, or anywhere from 10 to, to 18 feet. The arguments that I would have against that is, number one, there are guys who get really, really comfortable in that area and are really, really effective. You saw one here wearing an orange and blue uniform a handful of years ago, Ayodusumu, who if a team said, we want to give Io as many mid-range shots as, we, as he wants, even if they're lightly or not even contested, I would argue that team's going to get blown out. So when Boo Booey's allowed to get floaters, when Tyson Walker's allowed to get mid-range pull-ups – those guys get in a rhythm and maybe make shots then that aren't in that area that are tougher, that are whatever you want to call it. So I think that when Coleman's playing that far back, he's here, you're taking him out of the play. And I think that he needs to be up further into the ball screen. It doesn't have to be an automatic double every time. It doesn't have to be a switch every time just to show help and recover, allow him to use his, his length, allow him to, 
play up and then recover to a big or do switch onto that that point guard or just whatever it might be. Just the the ability to have the versatility that he can make different plays, get his hands in passing lanes, and be active because he's way too passive on the back line. And another thing that hurts is if he's waiting for people in the paint, he's not a real shot blocker. So the numbers that teams are shooting at the rim right now, not only in terms of volume, which is alarming, like Penn State scoring 48 points in the paint is definitely going to get you beat, and it did. But he's not able to contest people well enough at the rim where that's a bad shot. Like I think if if Kofi's waiting in drop, number one, he has to be in drop because he can't get out and guard in space. But that's a seven foot, three hundred pound guy you're gonna run into if you get close to the rim. With Coleman, he's six ten, two twenty five. Like rewatching the Penn State game, there were guards and wings that were driving themselves into Coleman and kind of knocking Coleman off his spot. Coleman needs to be more physical. I don't want him in foul trouble because that means you got to play Dane or Amani, even though Amani, I, I liked his his minutes against Penn State. But I want him to be more physical. I want him to be more active in ball screen stuff. And that's really the main thing for me with doing stuff differently with Coleman. Because I, I think that to play to his strength, I think he's a fly-around guy. I think he's a switch guy. And some of that, I, I, there's, a, there's a give and take with defense to where – I understand some of what Brad is doing from a schematic standpoint of not wanting to help off shooters, not wanting to get caught in rotations because it it causes switches that then are unideal or it gives up open threes when you get to like, okay, the corner guy has to come down in the paint because we doubled and and whatnot, and that gives up the three. Brad wants to play the math game and say, let's let's make you shoot twos, let's not leave three-point shooters, and we'll score more than that at the other end. But right now, it's it's not working. So, what do you think? Do you do you agree with that? I, I think everybody of the opinion has seen probably enough drop of Coleman to where it, it it's not working. It's it's glaringly obvious to the the average eye. Yeah, I just want Illinois to be more aggressive defensively in general. I think Coleman's a big part of that. When you got a five man who's as mobile as he is, who has the instincts that he does, who has he's averaging like a one point seven steals a game as a center this year and it just I would like to see Illinois be more aggressive because they've got the length and the size and I feel like the fact that they're third worst in the country at forcing turnovers I know that's by design and the way that they play it's like the complete flip from the defense that Brad Underwood ran at Stephen F. Austin in his first couple years at Illinois part I had the thought the other day I'm like wouldn't Brad Underwood, Stephen F. Austin, like high pressure defense, fit this roster pretty dang well? A lot I'm, better than what they were running. Than it did with the. I'm not asking him to revert back. The first couple of rosters, they were terrible at it, and that's why he made a full defensive scheme adaptation that's now carried forward. Now I'm not saying completely, but like situationally, I almost feel like that would fit this team. I'm not necessarily asking him to go all out pressure, try to turn teams over. That's not what Brad Underwood believes in at this point. I just think Illinois needs to be a little more aggressive in general because when you're just sitting back in the half court and letting teams get comfortable in a half court setting and run ball screens on you, your ball screen defense has been so bad. Mm-hmm. You've got guys that can really get exploited one-on-one and just get straight up beat off the dribble. Illinois has been horrendous at allowing dribble penetration recently. Yes. Teams have lived at the rim on them. And so I feel like throw some different looks at him, be a little more aggressive, try to force the ball out of certain guys' hands. Don't let them, don't let opposing teams just sit back and pick you apart in the half court all game long. I just, 
some type of aggression to me would fit this roster well because there's no reason that with all this length that they have in their lineup and with the five man that's so unique like Coleman Hawkins who can come play out on the perimeter I do just feel like this style of defense that Illinois plays just doesn't really fit this roster as well normally I am I agree with the philosophy of like I'll live with take that 14 footer all day take that 13 footer all day in principle don't help off these two corner shooters don't let one guy hit five corner threes on you and bury you I would almost rather have teams get a bunch of looks from three as long as you're packing in the lane not allowing teams to drive you all day long because you know what if they get hot and they make a couple threes this offense can match them I'm confident this offense can match them but when you're just allowing such easy looks at the rim every time down I don't know I just I feel like this team should be a lot better defensively and it I don't know just some more aggression turn teams over a little bit more don't just be as passive as they are in terms of just all right let's sit back in the half court we're going to play drop coverage on this ball screen here or we're going to let Luke Goody and Damas switch on to your best guard and take them off the <laughs> yeah, dribble man. live at the rim all day long big men one-on-one were, were refused to send any help even when Indiana's non-shooters are playing you like eh. That's another know. thing. There's got to be, especially for an older team, you should be able to be more advanced in your your game planning. So yes. we know this guy's a non-shooter, so whoever's guarding him is going to help off and get in the lane. I think also with the switching, I know there are some actions that are it's better to switch, otherwise you're giving up angles and, sure. and allowing people to get in the lane. But I also feel like, People are way too easily getting the switches that they want, pretty much on non-screens. It's just a little rub action. Northwestern, all the entire the like game. final 10 minutes of the second half in overtime, yes. they just ran a little rub, Luke Goody's on Boo Booey. That's it. I, don't, I hate that. Yeah. I, I know that probably in the moment, it's harder to communicate that because what if he actually gets hung up on – what if Shannon actually gets hum, hung up on a screen and you're waiting to decide, all right – we're going to call switch if we're not, and maybe Bowie's already in the lane by then. But it just seems like if you give up one switch on a on a, a rub that's not even something that Terrence can't get through, he can easily just stick to Bowie, why would you allow it to happen again? So this is stuff that if, it seems like the, the staff is responsible for some of this. I thought it was responsible for some of the inbound stuff. If they got told not to switch on the inbounds plays against Penn State that they gave up, and that's that's a schematic game planning error, not only just an effort error by Illinois uh, in terms of the player standpoint, but yeah, it, getting back cut eighteen times that is an attention to detail. That's Justin Harmon mostly. Yeah, that's a issue. player issue. So it, it goes both ways for sure. And I think I still think they have the personnel that in their base defense should be a lot better than they are. Like they yes. have guys, especially when you look at a guy like Harmon or Rogers or Quincy, who's been so bad. Like if those guys are just getting cooked off the bounce all the time, I I don't think that should happen. I understand like Luke Goody, Damas, those guys aren't the most athletic lateral, laterally quick guys. You expect those guys to get exploited by certain matchups, but I don't know. And even Shannon for a lot of time now, he's been a lot better recently, but I feel like there's better defensive talent on this roster than showed up. Should be. I I think that Shannon is definitely a plus defender. Hawkins in his areas of strength in particular can be elite. Like I, in general, when he's playing the five, there are ways to 
make sure he's not elite, that he's actually closer to average. And, and that's why I think you've got to double the paint when you have a a big that is pretty decent and and has a size advantage on Coleman around the basket. Ty should be a plus defender. I get that he's maybe not been that this year. Justin Harmon should be serviceable from an athletic standpoint. I mean, he's a strong guard. Is he the best athlete? No, but um, his issue is more just he's so bad off ball. Like yes. he's not. I don't think he's terrible perimeter wise. Like on the ball, mm-hmm. he's quick enough. But off the ball, God, his attention to detail sometimes and just getting hung up on certain act. Like it's been bad. And Quincy's just lunging all over the place, yeah. not playing with a lot of tenacity and energy he was too man we talk about like here comes dante scott here comes this guy we got the perfect matchup for him now and quincy like i don't feel good about quincy in any defensive matchup right now i don't know what's up with him he needs to get going for illinois to reach their ceiling in march he has to get going again as we go along i do want to you mentioned brad says that if certain guys don't pick it up i'll use the bench as motivation i'll, I'll bring in others i want to Touch on who are the most on the cut line type of guys. Who who's the closest to getting the bench as the the motivator? As the who? What's the rotation that's closest to happening as far as one guy eating into another guy's minutes? I want to get into that as we go along. I wanted to get to some text on the U of I line link text line before we catch a break. We're gonna to talk to McLean Stahl coming up after the break about the Orange Out Game Day Spirit, a grand sponsor of our show. We'll talk to him in a few minutes, and then Sean Bach covers the Iowa Hawkeyes for 24-7 Sports. will join us at 4.05 as we get the Iowa perspective, a team that's getting hot and will come into Champaign with a lot of offensive firepower. We'll preview the game with him coming up here at the top of next hour. But uh, quickly here, we'll go through a few of your texts, and I don't think we'll probably get to all of them, but 217 with how dominant they are in transition, especially Shannon, they should definitely be more aggressive on defense. Another great point. It is. Limiting transition opportunities if you're going to be 360th in the country turnover percentage. Yep. Uh, 217, how much is early ticky-tack whistles determining guys' aggressiveness? It seems if the early whistles calls a weak foul on Coleman and Rogers, they shy off. I get that. Coleman, I think, only had one foul for much of, not all of, the Penn State game. Rogers has been in foul trouble. So that's one where I don't want him – like upping his physicality even more, even though like, I don't know, you just, you, you got to understand when not to, to reach or to just the soft fouling, like free and ones where you're True. just barely touching. I know that's not really to this point here. I know there's some just like, but some guys get beat and they just swat right. while they're falling back. But that's the fouling issue is like, they're fouling way too much defensively. And it's not like, you know, they're playing so physical and aggressive that, oh, you're falling too much. It's just like, up, oh, I'm beat. I'm going to just swipe down on a guy's arm and give him a free layup mm. and one foul. Yep. How many and ones have there been the last two games, Maryland a and Penn State? I mean, man. A lot. If you're going to foul a guy, make sure he ain't scoring. He's going to earn two free throws. There's no doubt about it. Transition defense, too, is another thing we got to talk about. There's a lot of defensive issues. Let's talk more about this game. We'll hear from Brad Underwood before we get out of here, as well as – Sean Bach covering the Hawkeyes for 24-7. But McLean Stahl will join us next to talk the orange out for tomorrow's game against the Hawkeyes. Stick with us for that. This is The Drive.
Want unbeatable prices on your next furniture purchase, but also seeking that local hometown feel? Look no further than Kelsey Furniture in Tuscola. Customers rave about their friendly, established staff, as well as their great selection, amazing prices, and second-to-none delivery service. They're a third-generation local business, and they've always got your best interests at heart. Find the look you love for less. Open 9 to 5, Monday through Saturday, but always available online at KelseyFurniture.com. That's KelseyFurniture.com. When it comes to finding a reliable vehicle, look no further than Sarah Champagne, your trusted automotive destination. They carry a lineup of top brands, including Honda, BMW, Subaru, GMC, and Buick. And they're not just about cars. They're about people. Their team is dedicated to providing you with trustworthy service and dependable vehicles that fit your lifestyle. Experience the difference at Sarah Champagne. Visit Sarah, S-E-R-R-A, Champagne.com. Are you one of those guys out there tinting windows day in and day out, all different shades of black, and ready to put a little color in your life? Come work for us. At Aftershock, we're looking for a guy with experience in wrapping, whether it be window tinting, vinyl wrapping, anything of that sort, or somebody with just ambition that wants to show up to work and be proud of what they do. You know those wraps with Troy Lands on the back waving at you? That's our work. Call us, 833-DECAL-IT, or email office at aftershockdd.com. We want you. First Federal Savings Bank of Champaign-Urbana invested in our community since 1908. Before you buy your home in 2024, we invite you to speak with one of our experienced lenders, Jack, Jim, Kim, or Lane. Experience the convenience of working with a local lender with local service, decisions, and loan underwriting in our comfortable offices. Visit us to experience the exceptional friendly service from our knowledgeable staff. Hey, if you're not already banking with us, give us a try. We think you'll love it here. We do. 356bank.com, First Federal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS. Four three five one two zero. As Tapman's Towing celebrates 50 years of serving Central Illinois, we're always seeking good people to serve our great customers. Our team of expert tow professionals would like to interview others with CDLs, previous tow experience, or a strong interest in serving others. If you enjoy serving people, love working in the outdoors, and looking for a career, not just a job, we should talk soon. Do you have a strong desire but lack the experience? We should still talk. Visit our career page at tapmanstilling.com. Back on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Let's go to the Tapman's Towing phone line. McLean Stahl, game day spirit, great partner of our station and our show. How you doing, McLean? I'm sorry, I did bring up... I took you back to Wednesday night where we were talking some Illinois-Penn State. I know you were... that kill your Friday vibe? I apologize. It did. I'm not going to lie. I was, like, doing such a good job of just completely <laughs> blocking out, you know, the last, you know, 90 seconds or whatever it was of the Penn State game. But um, otherwise, you know, doing pretty good and, you know, excited to, to see the boys tomorrow. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, the sun's out. Kyle's got spring training baseball on over here. McLean, are you a Cubs fan? I am a diehard Cubs fan. All right, yeah. so the Cubbies are on, even though they're in some weird-looking jerseys. Maybe Game Day Spirit can help them out, get the, the font a little bit bigger on the back, uh, and not have it be like a half sun for Pico Armstrong around his, his, his jersey numbers. But uh, even though that, I'm see, I'm just bringing downers to everything, but that that's actually Fanatic's fault, not mine. <laughs> Yeah, no, you you brought up the, uh, the the group that we don't necessarily like around here, so uh, I'll, I'll try to try to say nice things. Otherwise, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, we've got 
the orange out tomorrow at State Farm Center, and obviously you guys are involved in that. Uh, look, we know a lot of people around here. You, you have some orange, but could you new, need? Could you use some new stuff? Could you could you spruce up the the apparel? Could you get a, a new NIL jersey? Absolutely. So, tell us how and what they fans should be looking for, and, and if they come out to your stores, Neil and Green Street, two great locations. Uh, what you guys have to offer? No, you're 100 percent right, Derek. I mean, you know, I I grew up around here. I've been an Illinois fan my entire life. I went to Went to Illinois, was in Orange Crush, the whole deal. Um, you know, I still go in our stores, you know, and I still find things that I need. So, you know, if, if I can find some things that I need, I'm sure other other fans can too. Um, but, yeah, I know, you know, um, sponsoring the game tomorrow, the Orange Out, you know, the, the idea is to get as many people in State Farm Center wearing orange as possible. Um, so stop by our stores today or tomorrow um, and, and make sure to grab some, some orange if you don't have any um, ready. Um, you know, we, we have a great selection. We just have, it's, it's, the store is flooded with orange. I walked in yesterday afternoon. I couldn't believe how much orange I saw. Um, you know, we're doing some cool deals. We're doing our, uh, traditional house of pain, um, hoodie for $34.99. So that's, that's $10 off normal price while supplies last. So, um, doing some good deals. And then we also have, uh, you know, great selection of, of other products and then NIL jerseys to, to support your favorite, you know, men's and women's basketball players. I love it. That house of pain is a sweet look and, Definitely, if I'm a fan and I want to go, I got tickets, say, to Iowa or maybe also when Zach Eady and Purdue comes to town, I, I'd like to rep the the old House of Pain because we got some big games coming up. No one, nobody, nobody likes Iowa and Purdue, Illinois have, have had some friction and need to beat the Boilers. That'd be a huge win on the resume. No, 100%. I feel like that's a, that's a great opportunity to really – you know, bolster the resume and, you know, the, the committee can see that. And hopefully, uh, you know, all, all things go well and we get a, a better spot in the tournament and, you know, better path to, you know, the big dance. McLean, I've got a, a biased perspective here because my wife and I, we, we had our, our daughter earlier this month. So uh, on the newborn side or like I got a two, almost two-year-old, you got some, some toddler stuff that, you know, you can always think about yourself in terms of decking out in orange, but got to get the kids right too. Yeah, no, absolutely, and congratulations uh, to, to you, Derek. Thank you. Um, yeah, to answer your question, we, we do have some taller stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, not the largest selection, but, um, you know, definitely some, some cool onesies and all that kind of stuff. So if you're in the market for that kind of stuff, um, you know, we're, we're the place to go for sure. No doubt, no doubt. And I, I got to mention, too, I know this is – we're talking basketball, we're talking hoops, but Illini baseball season has started up, and, and you're the Illini baseball uniforms have always been super popular. You guys – Still uh, stocking those? Uh, um, that that's a, a question out of left field. No pun intended, I, Derek. I apologize. Uh, you know, I am I am anticipating um, some some jerseys. You know, we did the uh, the powder blues last year. Those are sweet, um, and, and that seemed to be super successful. So I, I'm sure that we'll have some some of those again this year. I mean, just the the response to those were were great, um, and you know, want to make sure that you know folks are gearing up to support their fine line of baseball team as well. As as for tomorrow, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, but the you guys are part of a shirt giveaway tomorrow. How, how do you get involved? How how many are you giving away, and, and what would you recommend for fans as far as trying to get their hands on one of those? Absolutely. So, yeah, we're giving away 1,000 uh, free T-shirts to, to fans tomorrow. Um, we're doing it a little bit different this year, and we're staggering them throughout the stadium. Um, you know, in previous years, we've done the – the main west entrance, and that will still have the majority um, or, or the largest portion of, of tees that we're going to give away. So um, I would say, you know, if, if you can get to State Farm Center early, 
um, you know, hop, hop down there in the main West. Um, but otherwise we'll have them at, at some staggered through, through some other entrances across the, uh, across the stadium. So, you know, just get there early. And if you're, you know, one of the first in the door and we still got some t-shirts available, um, you know, you'll be in luck. And lastly, McLean, I know you, you guys look forward to and, and do a great job with partnering with some of these athletes to do NIL jerseys and, uh, do you have orange? Like, do you have them in orange? I, I guess the, the question is, do you have like the final line and throwback or, uh, I know the script are really popular. What, what do you got on the, on the shelf as far as the NIL hoops jerseys? We, we have a smaller amount of the white scripts. Um, you know, this year Nike rolled out a, a blank program that we're participating in. So we have the, the orange replicas, um, you know, the modern days, yep. um, that, that we offer in store for, um, you know, for, for some of our men's and um, women's athletes. But, um, you know, if, if you're um, looking for somebody that we may not carry in store, um, we, we carry every single men's and women's player on our, on our online store, again, com. Awesome. McLean, appreciate your time. Thanks for your partnership as always, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right. Thanks, Derek. Hi, hello. Kyle? I-N-I. There it is. McLean Stahl, Game Day Spirit. Again, Great sponsor of our show. Why am I swipping up? It's a Friday. I need to get to the weekend. But uh, Neil and Green Street, two great locations. And as McLean said, gamedayspirit.com is also where you can check them out. So appreciate their business. Let's talk about what I mentioned at the very end of the first segment. Can I first just say how awesome it is to have baseball yes, on my TV that. screen? Man. Got a little Cub Spring training action on Marquee Network here at the station, and Love I just it. the sight of a baseball diamond. It's beautiful, just fantastic. Looks like a phenomenal day in Arizona too. I remember going, family and I used to go to spring training a couple times when I was a kid and during my spring break down there in That's Mesa. Awesome. It was awesome. Wish I was there now; it'd be much better than champagne. <laughs> no doubt. Even though you know, no one will Iowa yeah, tomorrow. Iowa. We'll be a, a nice consolation. What's it like there in, in Mesa? It's it's nice. The complex is cool. They got the like the whole outfield's got like the grass where you can just set up like the picnic blankets and just sit out there, or you got the stands, and uh, you can kind of see the whole complex and the facilities and stuff. And the field, it's it's pretty cool. You get any autographs when you went out there? I can't remember. I don't think I did really get any. I know my dad, brother, and I got a picture with Fergie Jenkins one Sweet. year. He was out signing some stuff. So I got a nice picture, signed picture in our basement of him. Didn't get any of like the World Series guys because that was about the time, but I wish I did. That's pretty cool, man. I, on the note of Cubs being on, Cody Bellinger, is he there? He is not there, unfortunately. <laughs> Did get to see Chris Morell bomb a two-run homer in his nice. first plate appearance, but would like to see Bellinger maybe do that too sometime coming up soon. Jed, do you think if you're listening? <laughs> would love to see that. What's up, Jed? On my TV, maybe next Friday. I don't know. I'd love to see my team spend as much as if you guys get Belly, you're probably over the 200 million. Definitely over the 200 million for the year, which um, my squad's not going to get there. Jordan Montgomery would be nice. I wouldn't mind him either. It's true. It's true. Who's the one player, not to like make this an entire baseball segment, even though I'm really fired up to talk baseball, yeah, no, watch I just, baseball. I just wanted to mention like, no, yeah, baseball's back. Man. Let's keep doing it. Uh, who's the the one player you're most intrigued to see the performance in spring training? Hmm. 
probably PCA, Pete Crow Armstrong. Yep. I'm excited about him. Came up last year late September at 14 at-bats, didn't get a hit. And so then there's the overreactions about, up. Oh, he looks overwhelmed. He's way too overhyped. 14 plate appearances. In yeah, the David Ross, what was he doing? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a that's a discussion for a different day. I do like seeing they were interviewing Craig Council in the third inning. Did like seeing that as uh, well. Yeah, but uh, no, I'm excited about him. There's some other younger guys. Got a um, infield prospect, Matt Shaw, who they drafted last year. He's in camp. He doubled in the first inning. Like seeing that. Christopher Morell playing third base full time. Hit a bomb. Like no, we knew he could hit. I'm interested to see if he can defend at third. That'd be huge. Could he hit 30 bombs this year? Absolutely. He would He would have if he was up all year last year. I think he hit 20-something. I like it. Cardinals side, I got a, we got, of course, a lot of Cardinals fans out there. I'm a Cardinals fan. So uh, before we move on, I'd say Mason Wynn, definitely one of the guys yeah. I want to see in spring training. Similar boat as PCA. Came up late in the year. Didn't get a didn't ton that, of plate well. appearances. Yeah. Didn't hit that well. Some overreactions, but there's mm-hmm. so much talent there. I know. It's going to gonna happen. And he's going to be – Probably a highlight reel guy at shortstop. Yep. So that'll be that'll be fun. Of course, Jordan Walker is someone that big expectations for as well. And on the pitching side, we'll not see, excited to see Lance Lynn show nah, up the camp. Or? Not particularly. No. Uh, I, I'm excited about Sonny Gray for sure. But uh, let, let's get some baseball going. I think the Illinois. I think the Cardinals play tomorrow. So is that their opener? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. They, their first spring training game tomorrow. On the note of the Illini. I wanted to go there anyway. They're currently in action at Coastal Carolina, so they had a tough challenge playing in the Wake Forest little grouping last weekend and, and going up against the number one ranked Demon Deacons. Of course, they were competitive in that game, lost five to two. They are now two and two on the season. Split with Akron, beat Fordham on Sunday. They're in action again. This weekend, they currently are playing. I'm going to check the score, see if I can get it for you here. They're playing a ranked Coastal Carolina team out in Coastal Carolina, and the Illini are currently up 4-3, to three, bottom two. So good to see the Illini jump out early against the ranked squad. They get Ball State tonight, Cincinnati tomorrow, and then they'll be back their home opener next week. Good luck. Home opener in February, that's kind of bold. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're playing against Eastern Illinois next Tuesday, so... They baseball. might have – I guess I haven't checked that far in the front, but this year it might, it might work out, home it opener might. in February. Some years you might be playing in 21 I know. degrees. I know. The funny part is you go, you'll probably go into March. It'll be some, sometime in March you'll have – you know they play Southern Indiana the 15th, 16th, and 17th. There'll probably be snow that weekend. Yep. Just knowing how it always happens. How it works here. My birthday is March thirteenth, and like half the time there's snow or it's (laughs) twenty. Sometimes it'll be actually spring weather. Lately, though, the last like since I've been a teenager, it's pretty much always been wintry weather. Oh man, just how it goes. How it goes. All right. So I posed this question before the break: Who is closest to losing their playing time? Lose not all of it, but obviously having their role change if they don't pick it up defensively and then who's coming for that spot is, is the, of course, other question. I I don't know if we talked about it after the Penn State game, but one thing I I noticed when watching it on TV when Coleman had that – now this is offensively, not defensively, but Coleman had that volleyball pass. What in the world was that? It was terrible. It got tipped up in the air and then he just two-hand bats it out of bounds. Brad leaned back in his chair, looked like he was – going through the worst 
uh, flight of his life, about ready to throw up. And then Tyler sitting next to him, I could see him mouth for who. And I assume somebody said, get him out. And I think Tyler's response was for who. So there's, there is that question when you go through it of who are you putting in that spot? So let's start with it. Who's, who's probably what will make this like NCAA tournament. Who's on the, who's on the bubble right now and closest to flipping with somebody. Is it Quincy? Is it Justin Harmon? Coleman could be better, obviously. What do you think? It's hard to say because I think a lot of guys have struggled. I think you got three guys that aren't going to come off the floor very often. Terrence Shannon, Marcus Damask, Coleman Hawkins. I know he had a terrible game. He's overall been phenomenal. He's one of your most important players. Benching him is not an option for you. Those three guys are going to be on the court 36 to 38 minutes. Everyone else is <laughs> not locked in Correct. to a certain minute total. Yep. I think we've already seen it with Quincy. Like, I think Brad gave him a lot of leeway early on, like at the start of this little slump or whatever you want to call it. It's extended now for close to a month or since Terrence came back, really. He kind of coincided with Quincy not playing as well. And we saw him barely play in the second half against Penn State. Ty's minutes have been up and down. I actually still think Ty deserves more minutes. I know he has been great on the defensive end. He's followed a little too much. But, man, I just think he's taken such a big step forward offensively, and the rebounding is so huge that he gives you. I know he hasn't rebounded it as well the last two games. I still would like to see Ty a little bit more. I feel like he is the least deserving of losing minutes at this point. Obviously, foul trouble's foul trouble. Mm -hmm. But as long as he isn't fouling, I still like him. But – yeah, Quincy and Justin Harmon, really, to me. Yep. I, I just – those guys got to be a lot better. And I was surprised that Harmon got as long of a leash as he did against Penn State. Now, back to your original point, who else was coming in the game for him? He probably didn't have great options. He had tie with four fouls and Quincy not giving you anything. But, man, if he's going to play as lackadaisical off the ball defensively as he was against Penn State, I don't know why he should be on the court. Not like he's scoring a ton for you. Had a couple of big scoring outbursts with Terrence out. Since then, he's had a couple tough buckets, but not giving you a whole lot. Obviously, Luke Goody, we've seen his minutes go up and down. Still think, you know, he should have kind of a set role. Like, he's not going to give you 30 minutes, but his shooting can be huge. It's it's a tough question. It's You just kind of go, you go through it, and I'm kind of thinking out loud here, like, well, this guy probably hasn't been good, but you know what? Maybe this guy. It's you got to play five guys, right? And you can't play all five of them forty minutes. So, I think the answer really is these guys got to figure it out and not make this an issue. Otherwise, I do think start playing the freshman a little more. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. My initial gut response was Quincy, because especially and of course circumstance matters. If if ties in foul trouble, then there's a little bit probably more of a question of who might guard a, a more physical forward and how you make those things work. We saw, we've saw we seen with Luke Goody, then there is a question of who do you match up you know, against Malik Hall. Is it Brad rode with Goody for a while and then he was giving up too much, put Quincy back in, it didn't get better, then he ended up just pretty much going right back to Luke. So it felt like Ty was the answer there. Uh, but I, I just, I think, Quincy is the the biggest needle mover for Illinois if he does click into back to who he was. 
and he's he's been maybe the most frustrating of that group of guys that we've talked about yeah. of not giving that effort and for whatever reason has just seemed out of it and it almost is like he's invisible on the court way too often. So, uh, But then again, Justin Harmon was someone that, while I agree with what you said, he has made some tough baskets. And there have even been games where I'm like, what is what is Justin Harmon giving you? And then he'll make a floater in the lane with a minute a minute and a half to go like he did against Indiana. And I'm like, all right, that that makes sense. He does make some play. Like he's not usually going to just be a total non-factor for an entire game. I do think that he does give you a veteran presence and he does make kind of those glue guy type plays even on an off night where if he's not doing much offensively, he still can make an impact. But I just don't think he's been great, especially if he's not going to defend very well, then it's tough to play him 30 minutes. Right. No, for sure. And I think that that was why we saw some of Dre Gibbs Lawhorn in the first half. Of course, late game, as you think about it, those closing lineups usually include Justin Harmon. And more often than not recently, since Terrence has been back in particular, closing lineups have not included Ty Rogers a lot. So I, that can definitely flip and probably should anyway. Even as long as Ty isn't in foul trouble, why is is Ty not out there instead of now? It it could be you have Ty out there instead of Quincy, and you have Justin Harmon in there anyway. But how do you think that needs to play out? Yeah, I still th- I think Ty is your fourth best guy when it comes to closing games right now. So I again, if he's not in foul trouble, I I think man, his just I still think. Even though he hasn't been as good this year, I still think he's probably your second-best perimeter defender other than Terrence. And his rebounding, and you know he's going to make those effort-type 50-50 plays that you need to close games out sometimes and also gives you another ball handler if you are going to be pressured or you are holding on to a late lead. I know maybe the the argument against it is like, well, we don't really want him at the free-throw line. Well, he's shot the free-throw pretty solidly this year. I don't think he's a guy that you have to pull off the court late in the game just because he can't make free throws. He's making them at the same level Quincy or Luke Luke, is. As you guys mentioned earlier, I think maybe that was last week. So I still – yeah, I think he needs to close. And then that fifth spot's really just kind of a game-by-game thing. Like whoever play, whoever's got it tonight, you can close the game. Like it's just – no one's proven that they should be there. You thought it was Quincy, but if he's going to play like he has recently, man – he doesn't really need to start anymore in my eyes. I mean, maybe you just, Brad always says he didn't care about who starts, but he does definitely say doesn't that, have to close. Yeah, he, he does say that, but do, could you envision a situation where he tries to send a message tomorrow and tries to just do something different? I, 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 could, I could see a situation where Luke starts or something. Because Luke, for his shortcomings defensively, he battled in that game against Penn State. Mm-hmm. I thought he he was he deserved better. to close to me. Yeah, he was Anyways. better defensively than he was at Michigan State or in some of these other games. And look, sometimes he's just put in a bad situation. Like I think if he gets switched on to, there were times against Northwestern on the road. I know that was a month ago, but when he gets switched on to Boo Booey, what do you expect to happen? Luke exactly. Goody can do his very best and still get blown by or still give a bucket. So some of that is – it could be scheme. It could be what have you that – and I'm not trying to just absolve Luke from all blame. I mean, he's come on the show and said that 
one time after one game he couldn't defend his grandpa. Like <laughs> he he owns that. He knows that. He's aware of it. But I would rather with the way that Luke played against Penn State have that effort than it just seemed like Quincy's been really lackadaisical. Totally agree. Yeah. And again, I just to me, if you're gonna just tell me that Quincy Garrier is gonna be a non factor the rest of the season, well I feel a lot worse about this team. I still am holding out hope that he's gonna turn things around because man was he so important both when Terrence was out, but even he was hitting his stride in December where he had that twenty eight point outburst against Missouri and he was on that double double stretch like man, he he is the perfect front court pairing to Coleman and he has the profile of a guy that can give you some toughness on defense. And if he's not going to play with that and he's going to be unplayable, yeah, you can you can cut his minutes, but man, Illinois is a worse basketball team if Quincy's just not giving you anything. I think it's going to be important to get him going somehow. I don't want to just see him out of the rotation and, and accept it. This fifth-year right, senior yeah. that we went out and brought in and was so important for us for the first two months of the year, well, he's playing 10 minutes a game now, and we'll head into March with that. I mean, I'm not saying you got to just ride with him if he's giving you nothing, especially in close games late, but part of me wants to give him every opportunity to get out of this as I well agree. because, man, was he good, and he was – to me, Illinois' fourth best guy behind the top three for a while there. Brad did say today that Quincy was pretty good in practice yesterday. Of course, the challenging practice by the description of both Luke Goody and then, and Brad talking about his approach. Of course, on that note, we will get to Brad Underwood before the show is over. Later next hour, we'll have his full audio and press conference from earlier today. Before we catch a break, we'll get talk to Sean Bach, who is in with the Hawkeye Insider Iowa 24-7 site to discuss this matchup and what he's seen from Iowa recently and what he's expecting tomorrow in Champaign. Before we do that, though, a couple of texts I want to get to on the U of I Illini Link text line. Brian mentions on the note of point guard, can Moretti not help with not having a true point guard? It's shown to limit some – I should say it's shown – Big time late against Michigan State and for sure Penn State, he says. There, another layer of this, or just a different angle, of course, is the late game collapses that even though Illinois' defense has been bad, I'd argue that was the reason you were in a close game with Penn State in the first place. But they've had some offensive stuff late in games that has really hurt them. The problem with Nico Moretti, well, number uh, two problems, I would say. I don't see him on a daily basis in practice, haven't seen him at all out, outside of whatever it's been in, in game action, which has been pretty limited of late. You're talking about someone with very, 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 very limited experience in the Big Ten against high major competition and a guy that is a very big liability defensively right now. Like he might be the team's, not to, to dog him too much, he might be the team's worst defender mm-hmm. of a guy that might get minutes in a game. So... I would not go in that direction. Personally, I get the idea of a ball handler who is who has been playing that his entire life as a natural floor general type of guy, but a redshirt freshman with little little experience and not a good defender. I don't I wouldn't go in that direction. Here's what I'll say about the point guard thing. I've seen people come back to it now with some of the late game struggles. I don't think it's as big of a like 
Well, see, here we go. We don't have a point guard. That's why we're collapsing late in games now. And I, I was the first one to say I was concerned about it in the offseason. I've moved it down, way down on my list of problems with this team right now. Like, to me, sure, against Michigan State, when you go on a seven-minute scoring drought and you have a couple late turnovers, would you like to have a true point guard who gets you into everything? Sure. Got the top five offense in the country you don't need a point guard to inbound the ball, like inbound the ball against Penn state. <laughs> don't use two timeouts back to back to not inbound. Yeah. Don't Terrence Shannon is an all American guard in the country. Don't dribble into two defenders and get mm-hmm. stripped. Coleman Hawkins is a senior. Don't follow three point shooter, make two free throws. We're not talking about it. Like you don't need a point guard to do that stuff. Now, would it help? Would you, would a true ball handler help break pressure defense? Sure. But I just, to me, you don't need a point guard to, avoid some of the mistakes Illinois made here late in games. And overall, I am not concerned about that as like the biggest flaw of this team because they're unstoppable on the offensive end without one. And situationally, maybe you'd like to have one, but man, I just, I think people have come back to that a lot here recently with these late game struggles. I don't think it's changing a whole lot. At the end of the day, you got to defend. It's not going to change. I know inbound that. the ball. Like, did Justin Harmon turning it over on an inbounds pass or throwing it in the corner? You're not – the point guard's not helping you do that. Just get it in. Don't foul a shooter. I, I, there's too much experience on this team to be as bad as they were in that last 30 seconds against Penn State. That's all very well said. I do think especially to get this team in the half court, and I don't worry about Absolutely. the point guard stuff. Now, yep. advancing it against pressure, at times Marcus will turn it over when he gets kind of some guys that get up into him and try to heat him up. But for the most part, he's done a pretty admirable job. He's not a true point guard. I also thought, though, that I know it's different in a late-game situation when teams are going all out, high pressure, full court, 94 feet trying to turn you over and get back into a game. But Penn State plays that type of pressure style all the mm-hmm. time. I thought mm-hmm. Illinois – ate it up for the most part. Yeah. When I know they, they broke it, they, they got they, easy baskets. They did have 18 total turnovers, but that's just what a team like Penn State's going to do. But they used it to get transition opportunities. They used it to get Terrence Shannon the ball and, and get fouled. Like, I just, to me, point guard is, would it be nice to have one? Is it a flaw of this roster? Yes, but it hasn't been the problem that's led to this struggle period to me at all. Talk more line of basketball as we go along. Sean Bach coming up next. Hawkeye Insider to break down tomorrow's matchup at the State Farm Center. We'll play Brad Underwood before we get out of here. Got to catch a break. We'll return with Sean Bach. This is The Drive.